0: I saw that Oceans was on the list this morning to sing. And uh, it was interesting that God had already put that on my heart yesterday um, because of some things that he revealed to me that he was going to be taking me out deeper than um, I could ever wander. But that my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Praise God for that. So little children I love. I love how uh, out of the mouth of babes I shared with you last week, the beginning of the, the sermon um, about the, the child that had the paper that clearly didn't pay a whole lot of attention in school because they their synopsis of the Bible was a bit off. Um, but you know, uh, some children were asked, what do you know about God? And uh, in a Sunday school class one time, and a little boy raised his hand really fast and he said, well, I know that he's an artist. And the teacher said, well, how do you know that he's an artist? And he goes, well, you know, our Father who does art in heaven. And that is not quite the meaning of this, but we do know that God is an artist in his creation. And as an acronym of the Bible that I think is really cute, B-I-B-L-E, basic information before leaving earth. We are going to get some basic information But good information today that I hope will be a transforming information because today's uh, message is seeking the heart of God. And uh, it was so great to hear from Greg earlier today on that call, and uh, his prayer just means so much to me. I am, um, I have missed him more this trip. This has been a very emotional trip for me that he's been on. I know it's because of things that God is doing. And, um, and I, I, I find that to be interesting because I actually like my space. I, I really, you know, go, it's fine, it's good. But this one was different. This was a little different feel and I knew God was doing something in, in the spiritual realm that was, it was, he's just revealing things to me and he needed the separation between us to show him what he needed to see in Ghana and we will hear more about that. But then also, to um, show me things here. But I am so thankful for his example, his covering um, over me um, and over this church. And um, so, as I was studying and thinking about what God wanted me to say, you know, sometimes when you get in the presence of the Lord, you think there are just points of, of just awe with God. He is awesome. And sometimes it makes me speechless. And that's not a very good thing if you've got to give a sermon, you can't really be speechless. So, um, so I asked the Lord to just, um, just to really speak through me, and He reminded me of a verse that is in. Uh, you don't have to turn there. This is just something that was something for me at the beginning um, of the the sermon, and it's um, in 1 Peter 4. And, and for those of you, um, Colin and, and Peter and um, other teachers and speakers, if you if you ever are giving the Lord's Word, this is a, an amazing verse to claim. And in the New Living, it says in 1 Peter 4, um, at verse 11, it says, Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. That is my prayer this morning, is that I would be uh, out of the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Um, That my anything, my way, my style, my crazy sense of humor, any, anything that uh, doesn't resonate would be out of the way, and that the Holy Spirit would, would speak directly to you. Um, and uh, I know what he certainly has done in my own life. Um, so this morning, as we look at the seeking the heart of God, you know, the heart of God wants to be in a relationship with us. And one verse that is going to kind of be what I would, I guess, call our, our theme we're we're looking at lessons from the life of David. Um, however, there are some other other men that I'll mention and people that I'll mention. And uh, if you would just look at Second Chronicles, this is this is really um, uh, the significant verse. Although there's a couple others I want to bring you to, but Second Chronicles chapter 16 is um, a very well known verse in in its in its you know basic thought, but I want to take you there because it's also significant. The verse has to do with, it's in the middle of a story that is a really, really important story, and even though we're looking at David, um, we want to look at this particular man as well, but 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, and I brought two of my Bibles because I wanted to give a a couple of different translations to you today in 16.9. I want to stay here. So keep your finger in 16. In verse 9 it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Now that's the first part of it. I'm going to read that also in the King James. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect or fully committed toward Him. Now this is in the context of a story about a, uh, a king, and the king's name is Asa. Asa honored the Lord in the early years of his reign, and really did what was pleasing in the, in the sight of God. And then he made a big mistake, and I know last week we talked about David, and you know David is considered a man after God's own heart. That is huge. And that always perplexed me, because I thought, how could a, how could a man like that be a, a man after God's own heart? when, from a moral standpoint, he he had such big sins in his life, you know, I mean, committing adultery, and, and, you know, with Bathsheba, she gets pregnant, and then to cover it up, has, uh, you know, goes through several steps, but then tries to, and succeeds at having her husband killed, and just, it's like, how could this be? Well, before we get into David, I want to mention a couple other things about the heart. In Proverbs 4, these are just some significant verses for you to even just write down in your bulletin where it has the notes there, um, because these are some really important um, things to remember about the heart. And it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, In the new living, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. In the King James, it says, "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." The heart, the condition of our heart, is so important. God sees the heart; He doesn't just look at the outside appearances. And in Samuel, when God was first calling David, um, He saw he, he He saw that David was a unique man after God's own heart. And we find that in both Samuel, but in also in Acts 13:22. Paul says, after removing King Saul, um, he made David their king. He testified concerning them, concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That's in the NIV, by the way, that translation, in Acts 13, 22. Wouldn't it be amazing to be called a man after God's, a person after God's own heart? What does that even mean? Like, what is the heart of God? To be, to be called someone after God's own heart, that just was amazing. And, you know, the mantra, the, the theme of Ignition Church is from Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he'll add. All these things shall be added unto us. Our, our little tagline is an army rising up. Um, we're, you know, uh, not just a ministry but a movement. You you've heard some of those things that God has called us to. Well, you've got to know and get to know the heart of God to really even have the beginnings of understanding what an army rising up for the Lord is even about. Um, In getting to know the heart of God, the one thing I want you to understand is it is really about relationship. Now, in almost every message you've heard Greg give, there's something about both intimacy and relationship that he wants with us. And how you perceive God to be, You know, it's really important that some of us unlearn wrong thoughts about God. Some of us have been brought up to believe that God is, you know, he's big, but but in the intimacy of it, our seeking God, we think of him then because in his bigness then he must be far away. You know, some of, of, of our early impressions of who God is in our life. Maybe you think of God as just a judge. And so therefore you don't see his loving side. You just see that he's Cold, distant, judgmental—you um, know—our our lens of who God is, um, Satan gets in there and distorts and, and he messes with who God is. See, and and what you perceive in your in your uh, the paradigm, the lens that you have and how you approach God, what you believe Him to be is going to affect your closeness to God. And if if that's not based on truth, you'll never have the closeness with the Lord that you have. If you are approaching God and saying, "Okay, I need to pray harder," okay. If you don't really believe that God hears your prayers, answers prayers, and wants to meet all of your needs with your requests to Him, if you don't really believe that, then what is that prayer going to be? It's just going to be something religious that you do to, you know, to get your guilt off and get your church on. You know, it's not going to be anything real, and it certainly won't be anything lasting. Been there, done that. I was saved at 11 years old, and. Early on, I, I kind of had an up-and-down relationship with the Lord because my whole family, everybody was church leaders. I mean, my children's church experience was my older sister and her husband, and um, and then there was a couple of my brothers that were leaders in this. My dad was the head of the deacons. He was the school principal for a while at the Christian school, and my mother taught ladies' Bible study. and It was just like everybody in my family. And so... It took a while to break through that it was just tradition and family for God to really get a hold of my heart and have it not just be what you do. In fact, sometimes when it is just what you do, there are more Christian kids that grow up in Christian church that hightail it and run because it it never gets to the heart. It never becomes real. And then they want no part of it. And God had to take me through um, a period where I was rebellious and just breaking away from that to show me that, no, don't rebel. Now I've come back around and have found those, those years to be precious. However, some of the doctrine I've had to look at and say, okay, my perception during certain times wasn't, um, I saw God differently than I should have. I should have recognized his love and that he really wanted to be in relationship with me. Um, so I do cherish a lot of those, those years, but I needed to get some of my head straight about who God was to me, and not just that, well, this is the way we're brought up, so this is what we do. You know, kids today, it, I, I just never underestimate, and I, this is the one thing I pray over Yvonne, I pray over Brooke in college, that God, make yourself real to them, because no matter what good relationship I have with my kids, what we've just always done is not going to cut it. when when times get tough. Tradition is just not going to cut it. When when the rubber meets the road, they've got to know there is a real God who is really there, who wants a real relationship, who is capable and big enough to answer problems, who loves me enough to fulfill me and can work in me miracles that nothing else can work. And who also, by the way, is a big enough God to fight the enemy himself. We have so much authority in Christ that we don't claim. And I'll get back to that. But... In Luke 6.45, is just another verse about the heart that I want to give you as a side reference. And it says in the New Living, a good person produces good deeds from a good heart. And an evil person produces evil deeds from an evil heart. Whatever your, is in your heart determines what you say and even do. King James, the last that last phrase, it says, for out of, For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. God knows our heart. Now, on one hand, praise God, and on another hand, oh no. (laughs) Because if you're used to putting your church on and it's a facade, then guess what? God knows the facade. He knows the heart. He knows the motivation. He knows how we rationalize. He knows why we show up to church. Is it a heart that is seeking Him, or it is a church? Run, is, it a, is it a good deed running from guilt? You know, He knows us through and through. But He is His love is what's so great, and this is why the grace message is so important. To to recognize His undeserved favor is very very important when it comes to to seeking the heart of God. So I'm going to bring out four four points that are kind of lessons from the life of David, but we're going to also mention a couple other people. The first thing we want to have that is a heart that is, is a heart of the heart of God is, first of all, we have to have a heart of true repentance for sin. We have to have a repentant heart. And I would ask you this, do you have a yes in your spirit today? Is your, do you have a heart of yes to the things of God? And I want that to just sit on you for a second here. Just, just let that kind of rest on you for a moment. Do you have a heart that is a heart of yes, or is it only a yes, I want good things, but it's, oh no, don't go there in my life. It's not a yes if you're taking something from me. It's not a yes if you're stretching me. It's not a yes if you're going to make me step out onto the water so far that now you're stretching my comfort zone, okay? Otherwise, it's a yes. I'll take all the good things, but don't take the stuff that's going to mess with me. I mean, don't we all do that? We all do that. I said this in the ladies' class. I, I promise you this morning um, that, yes, I am tall, but I am not on a high horse as I speak to you today. There is, there is nothing from a, this is what you need because I've already been there. No, I, we, I need this. I need this message this morning uh, as much as anybody. David was truly repentant. Now, we read last week about the, the sin with Bathsheba. And as horrifying as that was, and, and what a, a, a horrible time, it was a mighty fall. And you know, when, when God, the, the mighty man that God made David, sometimes the mighty fall real hard. And we've seen that probably in people in our own lives, you know, that God gives them a calling and boy, oh boy, they become a target for Satan. And, and they've got to cling to God even more. There's no such thing as arriving. To whom much is given, much is required. We've got to just seek God. So we find that um, that story, of course, in 2 Samuel 11. And then in Second Samuel chapter 12, David um, then confesses to Nathan. Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells him that he has sinned, and he does it in a very unique way. But David's response is why he's a man after God's own heart. Because, man, if it was about our blunders, then guess what? The goody-two-shoes that have never done anything wrong would have all the, the good stuff, and then those who just keep keep, you know, falling down, would, would not have any... I mean, praise God, he does not measure sin the way we measure sin. Oh my goodness, it's just so wonderful. He, 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 he sees the heart. So David's response was so significant, and this is the kind of heart that we need to have about sin. David said to Nathan, I have sinned, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. But admitting our sin and asking forgiveness is only half of it. We've got to be repentant. Do you have a repentant heart? Now, I mentioned last week, one of the things the enemy wants to do in our lives is he either wants to believe sin is either no big deal or too big of a deal. He either wants us to walk in apathy and hardness, blindness, or he wants us to walk in condemnation. He does not want us to see the truth of sin. You know, And, and the thing that's interesting is some of you may have been a ping-pong ball between both. You're feeling guilty for stuff you don't need to be feeling guilty for. And you should be feeling some conviction over in another area in your life where you're just thinking, oh, this is totally fine. And, and in some cases, the blindness is not even connecting the dots to where if you got this out of your life, you wouldn't be struggling over here so much. Because by holding on to this, it's perpetuating more problems over here. You know, we, we have to not be deceived by sin. Look at James 1.22. Now, we, we know this verse, of course. Don't, don't lose your place in uh, Second Chronicles, by the way, because we're definitely going to come back to that. But James, we know James 1.22. But I want you to see um, James the, in the chapter there, of uh, chapter 1. And I do hope that you have your Bible or electronics, because I, I'm a firm believer. Your brain, you think you can retain it now, but when you're hearing it, in some cases, seeing it and look, and, uh, watching it on the board but then digging for it yourself, you'll have greater retention in your brain uh, for later on. And the Holy Spirit has a greater opportunity to, to use this for your good. James 1.22, we know, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. This is really, really interesting. Deception comes when we hear it and think, yes, Yes. That's called our theology. Yes. I believe in that. I you know I know that. I know everything from, from for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I know these verses. I know this. You know, thou shalt not covet, covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. You know, I know this. I know that pray without ceasing. I know the word of God. This is our theology. Uh, maybe, maybe we don't know it all, but when we hear it, we're nodding our head and we're, okay, that's what we believe, okay. That is not always, and in some cases, sadly, rarely, our reality, okay. You can know every street and have memorized every street's speed limit, but if you're going over the speed limit, then you don't really know it, and it's not really your reality. It's like, well, that is... I agree with that. They should have speed laws. They should. Boy, these people ought to go slow. You know, let me pass them, because <laughs> that's what it's about. You know, if we kind of approach the Word of God like that, like, like, yes, I know, I, I, that's there. I see, I see 55 as I'm, as it's going backwards, because I'm, you know, going 90. <laughs> anyway, did I say me? Did I just say that out loud? Not me, never. Um, the Word of God sometimes is like speed limit signs. We know it but we don't apply it. It's not our reality. It's just there. We know it. We believe it. We even believe it should be there. Okay. We need a Bible. We need people to be following the Bible, but we don't follow it. And God wants to give us a healthy, repentant heart if we'll just give that to him. Um, If you turn over, uh, you might not even need to turn over, but look across your page perhaps in verse 2, verse 19. Thou believest, this is King James, thou believest that there is well, that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now, in the new living, it says, "Do you still think it's enough to just believe that there is one God?" Well, even the demons believe this, and they tem- tremble in terror. Fool! When will you ever learn that faith does not result? That that does not result in good deeds is useless. So, in other words, it's like he's saying. It it's not enough to believe it if it doesn't transform your life if it doesn't do anything if it isn't in you transforming you then it's just knowledge up there in your brain useless it's got to be a transforming thing and when it comes to sin there's nothing that deceives us more the story of David the reason he took it so far okay he', had, he had already in the little areas in his life his first misstep. Was to not be out with the kings off to war. He stayed back, okay, and he justified that. The Lord said, "Go do this." Now, if you're if you're me- starting to measure sin humanly, you're not going to see that's a big deal. Especially if you're king, like I'm king. I know that this is when the kings go off to war, but I'm king. So I can do what I want. I'm going to stay here, and that's good. And I really don't think that God is going to judge me for that, you know. And you have you ever said that to yourself? Okay, this is good. What we don't realize is the slippery slope that exists. And when we have a rationalizing heart towards sin rather than a repentant heart towards sin, and I'm not saying that you've got to walk around, woe is me, everything I do is wrong, I'm just wrong, 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 wrong. That's the pendulum going the other way. That's Satan paralyzing us with absolute guilt all the time That is it's not necessary. I'm talking about walking in the spirit where God shows you what is sin. Have you ever said, Lord, reveal to me any sin in my life Anything, even if it's the beginnings of something that could be bad, but right now it isn't so bad. Maybe it's just the playing with the fire. And I'm not burned. I'm not getting close. I got this. This is good. Lord, reveal. I want to have such a sensitive heart that I want to not even have the chance to get burned because you're going to give me wisdom to stay away from that. There's a couple of video games that I have uh, not, I'm not even going to tell you names. Don't go there because you've got to go your own path on that. There's a couple video games that my little seven-year-old, I'm not letting her play. And there's one of them in particular she's given me a hard time about. I just don't understand it. Why can't I play this game? And I have to tell you, I cannot explain why. I just know in my spirit there's something about the game that I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And it was just something that was not... You know, so I didn't want to make a really big deal about it. The bigger the deal I make about it, the more the enemy's going to go, that must be a good one. <laughs> you need to work, you need to fight for that. This must be, a, you know, how kids want the very thing you're not giving them. And so I told her, I said, you know, I said, it might not be anything that's bad. But you know, when God tells me something as a mom to protect you from, then I have to be obedient. And I have to stand before God for that. So there may come a time when God will show me that that isn't a problem for you anymore. But right now, will you let me obey God? And just, you have a good attitude about this? Because right now, I know all your friends are playing it. But I just feel like it's not what God wants you to play with right now. Okay? And it's interesting how the enemy will attack our thinking and our context. What happened with Eve? Look at Eve. Had everything. Okay? I mean, we can't even fathom the perfectness of the garden. We can't even fathom the perfectness of the world. You know, they were unashamedly, you know, created by God, first Adam, then, then Eve from Adam, and had everything they could imagine. When Satan came in the form of a serpent to tempt her, suddenly the one tree that she could not eat of became something that God wasn't doing for her, that God really wasn't giving her. And the thing that's so amazing about that temptation is that before she ate of the fruit, she had to rationalize, she had to tell herself, well, I can't believe that God wouldn't give me that. I mean, I thought he gave me everything. That serpent did not change her reality. He just changed her thinking. And now all of a sudden, her reality was still there. She was still in absolute perfection in the Garden of Eden. had been given everything. Perfect body. I don't know what that looks like. Can't wait to see what a perfect body actually looks like. It'd be really great. We have kind of crazy examples today, but I mean, having everything. And what did Satan do? He attacked the context of her. Thing. He attacked her thinking. So now all of a sudden, have you ever been there where you're just like, oh, God's fulfilling me. I'm I'm working. And then and then you take a step, and Satan whispers, God's not really there. That's not that's not really what He's got for you. That's not enough. He's asking you to take get rid of that in your life. Oh, you're going to be lacked. You're not going to be fulfilling. You know, Instead of being reminded that he is our El Shaddai, our all-sufficient one, that he created us for his glory so he knows how to fill us. These are things that, when Satan wants to attack our thoughts, they have everything to do. We've got to, we've got to be sober, be vigilant, and put on our warfare of the mind. That is so important. The second thing that is, is something that would be uh, a heart a man or a woman after God's own heart is to have a grateful or thankful heart. A thankful, grateful heart. David was very, very thankful. You know, over half of the the Psalms um, are, are written by David. And we get to see a lot about his character through the Psalms, which I love. And in Psalm 26, um, verses 6 and 7, um, I'm going to read you these because these are just so great if you... Are, want to be handy there. Psalm 26, verses six and seven. It says, let "My page here. I will wash my hands in innocency, or I should probably do in the New Living. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your miracles. Now, that's only just a just a half of a snapshot of all the gratefulness that just pours out of the psalms it he just it's amazing but the reason why this is really great is because after god confessed or he confessed his sins to the lord and the lord forgave him he, he had such a grateful heart recognizing that he deserved nothing and if there's one thing that the enemy will attack it's saying You deserve more. Have you ever had those feelings where you're just like, this is not, I mean, man, I got saved, and this is just not what I thought it would be. You know, Satan wants to get in there and make you think that you are being, you know, you're getting the shaft, you're getting the short end of the stick. That's what he did with Eve. She had everything, and he was able to attack her thinking so that she thought that something was being withheld from God. And we walk around And oftentimes, Christians, we feel sorry for ourselves when really we deserve nothing. And man, when you start to recognize how great God is, he will open your eyes to how undeserving you are. Not condemning you, but undeserving in the sense of, I love you even though you are but dust, Scripture says. I love you. When you see it in that context, see, we need a supernatural context to see God's love. And then we'll begin to really appreciate that, wow. And also, we'll begin to appreciate that the things that we have really are so much more. I was in a fit a couple days ago about our our water pump's about to go. And it's certainly a a struggle to have your water not be working. And you can get through about a shower and and maybe a load of dishes, and then it it trickles. And uh, this is a pump issue, and we need to get it fixed, and so forth. Well, the particular day that I was struggling the most it's something the system must have been regenerating and it was just all day long Like, and I thought, this is it, this is the end it is just coming out droplets and I, it's so weird how, how commonplace it is we go to a spout and it just better be there and it better be full force and if you've got like 20 spouts in your house it's just a weird feeling to not have the water turned on I mean, you don't realize how you think oh I'm good, I took my shower, I don't really need to wash any clothes you still will go to the sink for water for something, you just need water well I just was like, Lord, I'm asking you for a miracle today, because my precious in-laws—they would, of course, let me come to their house and shower—and but just what that would mean, scooping up all my stuff, and you know, just just the hassle of it. I, you know, I knew that I could do that, but I thought, Lord, I'm just going to ask you for a miracle, and I'm I'm just feeling bad, and and of course, Greg and I are texting, and this is when I wanted to be more my husband than my pastor, <laughs> because first of all. Here he is in Ghana, Africa, in a hotel. It's like 125 degrees in terms of the, uh, the heat index. He said, I am literally soaked head to toe. I am in a hotel. There is no electricity. He said, and whatever water is coming out of the spout, there may as well be none because it's awful. All of a sudden, I thought, ooh, okay, hmm, I got to put this into context. I am temporarily, my water is trickling, but I am in a, a beautiful comfort and my power does work, and so all of a sudden it just put it into perspective. Boy, I got a lot to be thankful for, you know. And um, I, I felt so bad for him. And he wasn't saying I shouldn't necessarily feel bad, but he was encouraging me, you know, be thankful. This is not an accident. God's going to challenge. You. He's going to strengthen your faith. And um, I was just like, you're right. I know. And you know, I didn't didn't have the immediate best attitude because I just I wanted a little bit of um, pity for just a moment. And. Uh, but then I thought, how can I want pity and he's over there and I'm here? And, oh. but, um, but he was right. God did want to stretch my faith. And, um, and the, the regeneration of the tank that day did take many, many, many hours. But finally, by evening, it built back up to enough to where I had water back again a little bit. And it still needs to be fixed. But I got through the night and was able to do things. And I was so grateful. Um, but we just don't realize how good God is. And how many hissy fits we have over things. We just really are. I mean, it's not a bad thing. If God has given you things, I mean, you know, some of you that you know may not know the story, you know, the entire testimony. about I mean, you know, Ruth and Colin, um, you know, they work hard. God has done amazing things in their life. They're blessed. When God gives you blessings and gives you amazing things, be thankful for them as gifts from God. You know, I felt like I needed to start the service today by saying, don't be distracted by this absolutely stunning tree behind me. You know, if God gives you great things, don't feel bad about that they're a gift from God. But be thankful. Be thankful. And, and this is the thing that happens in, in America with, with the, the spoiled attitude that we have. We forget. We forget that the Lord has given us so many things. Um, David, you know, he had a passion about everything. One other psalm that is so good. Thank the Lord for things. In Psalm 100, verse 4 in the ESV, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name. Man, as followers of Jesus Christ, we really need to follow David's lead of, of being grateful. And um, he really knew, and I, I think part of what made him grateful is that he, he really knew the heart of God. He, he had an intimate time with him. And the more you seek God, the less you will ever feel sorry for yourself. You know, it says in the Psalms, and I believe it's Psalm 43, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within you? Hope in God, who is the health of your countenance, and your God, and my God. When you get the right context, it is the best cure for depression, for discouragement. Um, He is so so great. The other, the the third thing that uh, David had um, that is a great example for us is he had an absolute passionate love for God's Laws for God's word. He loved God's word. In Psalm 119, 47, and 48, it says, For I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. You know, it's not hard to see David's complete adoration for God's word. But notice how he says he meditates on his statutes. You know what worship is? Worship really is just Focus. It's just focus. And sometimes people get confused as to what um, humility and you know, and when we're just feeling down, sometimes this this false humility is kind of really just a self focus. If, if you if, you know, depression and discouragement, it really perpetuates more of itself because in order to stay there, you have to keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, and and that becomes essentially self worship okay because it's focused thinking you know meditation and worship is a focused thinking so where we put our thoughts is where we're going to we're going to follow up with our emotions if if you were to begin to fix your thoughts on a really sad sad story pretty soon your emotions would begin to start feeling that it might affect the rest of your day when your emotions are in a certain place guess what you're going to be making decisions doing things People that struggle with self-harming themselves in any way, whether food issues or cutting or whatever, it starts with first wrong thinking, then emotions follow, and then all of a sudden they're acting out on all of that and harming themselves. And that's why we've we've got to be addressing the lies of the enemy at the thought place. And casting down, 2 Corinthians 10:5, um, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is one of our big, big weapons, is to fight that. David loved the law. He loved the word of God. And Psalm 119. and by the way, the entire chapter, Psalm 119. I mentioned this last week. Is the longest chapter in the Bible. But it is also the one all about how much um, that that David and, and the other psalmists in there love the word. They just love the word. They love the word. And, of course, that's where you find the famous verse in Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Um, it's, just, it's, so, it's just chock full. Um, Teach me the way, O Lord, of thy statutes and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. He just goes on and on. That's a, a great, great chapter. So what happened in 2 Chronicles, where we found our first um, example of, of the, what God is looking for in the heart. This is Asa. And basically... In the 36th year of Asa's reign, king of Basha of Israel, um, the, the king of Bashar of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent, in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving king Asa's territory in Judah. Okay, because king Asa was the king of Judah. I don't want to go into this whole story, but I've got to tell you this part of it. If you look at 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 16, okay, Asa always, king Asa always sought the Lord. Until right now, he decided not to to inquire of the Lord as to what happened. So at that time, in verse 7, it says in 2 Chronicles, At that time, Hanani, the seer, he's a prophet, came to King Asa and told him, Because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and Libyans and their vast army with all their chariots and horsemen? At that time, you relied on the Lord, and he handed them over to you. And I'm in the New Living. The eyes of the Lord, and this is where we find the context of that verse, The eyes of the Lord search out the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So this is the end of the, this is the last part of this verse. What a fool you have been. Or King James says, herein thou hast done foolishly. From now on, you will be at war. Now Asa was confronted by a prophet, by a seer, just like David was when Nathan came to him. The response was so different. David's heart was repentant. Asa, even though he had been walking with the Lord, at that crossroads, at that point, for whatever reason, he decided to be independent of his need of the Lord. And what does he do? Literally tries to shoot the messenger. He became furious with this prophet. So instead of seeing that, okay, this is the Lord speaking through you to tell me this, whew, Asa became so angry with Hanani for saying this that he threw him into prison. At that time, Asa also began to oppress some of the people. And the rest of the events of Asa's reign from the beginning of the end are also recorded in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. He from this time on, began to not only reject that prophet, but then he began to act out in his rebellion against God and began to just oppress the people in a torturous way. He was horrible to his kingdom. I mean, just changed. Have you ever had known somebody that has turned away from the Lord and all of a sudden, everything in their past just gets destroyed, their children get destroyed, their relationships get destroyed, they're turning away from the Lord? A hardened heart is a scary, scary thing. And this is... You know, when you look at a life that's that's you know, just on the outside, we don't see, we don't see that if we're not careful, if we don't have a heart that is truly repentant and thankful and loves God's word, we are, you know, as soon as you get too full of yourself and you think, you know, second Corinthians ten twelve says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. As soon as you think, I got this, this is good. I might need you over here, God, but this one, I'm good, I'm good. God, just, you know, I got this, I got this. Never say that. We have to walk in complete dependence on him all the time. All the time or we are in trouble. And that brings us to our last point, um, which is to me the, the most important. I could have parked here for the whole time. But the fourth one and last one is having a heart of absolute faith. Absolute faith in God. Nowhere in David's life in, in the Word of God do we see this more powerfully than in 1 Samuel 17, where we hear the famous story of David and Goliath. And as David is responding to Saul, who King Saul at the time, who's just like, Okay, are you sure you can do this? You know, David comes up and he wasn't even there for, for Goliath, but he sees that these armies are paralyzed because, you know, there's this giant here that's threatening them and totally bullying him. And David just comes with this confidence that's so obviously of the Lord. The Lord's hand is upon him. And um, he, he just, he knew the Lord. He knew the Lord had been with him because he recognized before. And this verse tells us that. And Saul said, um, and this is in verse 37 of 1 Samuel 17. It says, and Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Um David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, before in his shepherding and in his, you know, taking care of his flock, he did come up against a lion and a bear. And, and God, just the spirit of God just came on him powerfully. Well, he recognized that that was not a fluke. Because he, because he had a heart that, that sought God. And he had a tender heart to recognizing this is not my strength, this is God. That strengthened his faith a tender heart will strengthen your faith if God's done something for you before why will he not do it now and that was David's logic in the spirit he's like I took care of the bear I took care of the lion this is just another you know form of each it's just a, it's just a, a giant you know give me my slingshot and I'll, I'll get him you know and, and that was the, the approach that he had just absolute faith What has God done in your life before where you knew it was God? Either protecting you from something, delivering you from something, just the fact that he saved you out of something. What has God done? You know, like the children of Israel, we just keep forgetting the miracles. I'm amazed as we look in scripture that how quickly they began to gripe after they walked over on dry land through the the Red Sea. I mean, how does this happen? God does miracles for us. But Satan's there whispering. Forget about that. I mean, yeah, 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 he may have done that, but he's not here for you now. He's always there. And if we're not walking in the spirit and and using our weapons of warfare to keep the enemy away from us, he'll make us forget every good thing that God did. When you're in the presence of the Lord, he will flood your mind with everything that he has done. And that will give you strength. So that repentant heart, that grateful heart, that love for his word, will give you the absolute faith that you need which is one of the most important parts about having a heart for God. It is just huge. David knew early in his life that God was to be trusted and to be obeyed. Now, did he fall? Yes, he fell. And praise God that he had a repentant heart about that fall. And he was fallible in many other areas. He's not a good parent. I mean, you know, the guy was flawed. And, and I'm so thankful that God revealed to us He didn't have to record all David's sins. He could have just recorded all the good stuff that David did. And then most of us would be reading the word going, okay, that sounds good. That's him. But that's not me. I couldn't, I couldn't live like that. I couldn't be a perfect king that honored God and was a God, you know, man after God's own heart. But because God gave us his sins and showed us where he failed, doesn't it help you to feel like there's a little bit of hope? Like, wow, God forgives. And he forgives big time with big blunders. Okay? As long as my heart is seeking after him, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to worry. I don't have to be condemned every step. Because I, I probably will misstep because I'm not yet going to be. I mean, we're not in our glorified bodies. We're not yet perfect. You're not saved under perfection, but you're saved with a new power source. And if you give that over to God, He will give you the strength that you need. Absolute faith. Ah, oh, faith is. Faith is truly, truly amazing. You know, you see not only in, um, in uh, that part of, of Chronicles, but in, in just a few pages over in Second Chronicles 20. You see the story of Jehoshaphat. Oh my goodness, Jehoshaphat is amazing. He was powerless against three armies that he had to fight, and I love, 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 love. This is a great story. We're not going. I'm just going to touch on it. But the whole thing, when you read about it, starting in, in chapter 20, Jehoshaphat's entire reaction to this amazing trial that he was facing, he um, his immediate reaction was, "We need to inquire about the Lord." Now his human first reaction was um, how do you think we could do this Lord I mean we have we can't do this by ourselves you know but then in verse 6 he prays, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven you are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth this is in second chronicles 20 in verse 6. You are the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? What did Jehoshaphat do? Right away, he's like, God, did you not do this for me before? When I was in trouble before, did you not deliver me? Have you ever gone before the Lord and said, Lord, I need you to save my mom and dad, or I need you to save my neighbor? You know, did you not save so-and-so in my life? You saved that, that person's father. You, you saved souls. God, you did this, so I know, I know you can do this again. You know, be, be reminding God in your prayers that you know he's a God that saves, and go at him with, with faith and with expectancy that he's going to do it again. So we see down here in, um, in verse 10, um, and now see what the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not have left our ancestors to invade these nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them, and they just, he's going back over different things that God did. Let me go to 12, verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood up before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children... The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jeh- Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah. Sorry, I didn't get all these down. A uh, Levite, who was the descendant of Asaph. He said, Listen, this is the Lord that came upon him to communicate this to Jehoshaphat. And he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Now this is where we get our famous, famous line, For the battle is not ours, but the Lord's. We cannot apply this more to Ignition Church than right now. There is an enemy army sitting on our promised land of our building. Okay, As God has called us out and we are headed there, there is an enemy army sitting there. But you know what? That battle is the Lord's, and He is working on that. You can we can apply that, okay, spiritually speaking. These are these are very tangible um, uh, you know, actual land that, that God used in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we get to apply them spiritually. And you can apply it individually in your life too. What is it that you need God to overcome, help you overcome? God is it. in Ephesians 1 you'll see the hope of your calling. There is a calling on every single person's life. And if you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, there is a calling upon you that we need to get to our promised land. God is, has great things. He has a land flowing with milk and honey, okay? Which is, well, just like, that's why the children of Israel, that's not just some story that could be a great mini-series. You know, that's a significant picture of the Christian life. We are headed toward that. So what is your calling? Where where are you going? Are you are you working? Are you walking with the Lord to that place? Ignition Church is walking there, and He wants us to believe. And the thing that I love most about this story, Jehoshaphat recognized that it was the battle was really the Lord's. But then, and it's so interesting. Uh, Wendy's reminded us of this. Uh, Greg has brought this out. In um, in verse um, twenty one, after consulting the leaders of the people, the king appointed singers. To walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. They had not won yet, but what did the king want them to do? Start praising God. We're going to trust him so fully that we're going to praise him. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever, or his mercy endures forever in the King James. At the moment, oh, hear this, guys. Hear this, verse 22. At the moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, the Lord caused the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Sir to start fighting among themselves. Can God just not do anything? It's just, it's just so cool. The armies of Moab and Amnon turned against themselves, against their allies from Mount Sir and killed every one of them. After they had finished off the army of Sir, they turned on each other. So when the army of Judah, Jehoshaphat's army, arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, there were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy escaped. He didn't even make them, in this case, have to even directly engage in the battle. He just wiped them out. It just does not get any better than that. I mean, does it not? God's deliverance was that crazy awesome. And you know what? It's because he rewarded Jehoshaphat for his faith. He rewarded him for great faith. So what is it? As a church, as a church, we are believing God to take us where we need to go, and we need to praise him for what he's already given us. And you know what? Whatever it is in your life, if you are if you are seeking God to overcome something personally, if you are seeking God for a victory over the, the lives, lost souls in your family, if you're just, I mean, whatever, whatever mountain it is, whatever armies and enemies coming up against you, if you're asking God for victory, when you seek Him with all of your heart and you begin to believe in that, faith receives. Faith receives. There is, there is blessing when you have faith in God. He gives blessing and He rewards our faith. There is nothing that gives God more pleasure than when we have faith in Him. And I would rather err on the side of being, of perhaps even misappropriating what I can apply in my faith than to not have faith at all. You know, can you imagine when you get before the Lord and, and he says, he says, Ariel, you know, I had this for you. I had this for you. I had this victory for you. I had this deliverance for you. I was about to break chains in your life. I was about to do this. And you didn't believe me for it. You didn't believe me. You kept crying out to me over here. But when I was guiding you and telling you, you didn't believe me. What, what are you going to say? Well, well, God, I don't know. I just, I was afraid. And I, I don't know. I know, Just not gonna fly. He's got something for you. We gotta step out. And stepping out into the water is the scariest place. It's the scariest place. I'll tell you what, faith takes risks. And I said this last week, but faith takes risks. I'm not really a risk taker kind of person. I gotta tell you the truth. In some areas, you know, I like to, you know, I like to rearrange my furniture so that it looks different, you know, and you know, some things like that, but I don't necessarily like to just leap off. I'm not I'm a skydiver type, you know, I'm not that kind of person. And as the Lord is revealing to me the things that he slowly is um, preparing me for, that he knows I'm not that crazy about in terms of how he's going to stretch me. Now, everything God does is good. And as he is seeing in my own life that I am recognizing his goodness and I'm trusting him with goodness. God, you love me. And I'm accepting that love. I'm seeing that you are good in everything. As I do that, he reveals to me things that he wants to do, places he wants to take me in my walk with him, that had I not received those other things, there's no way I could have accepted where he's going to take me. You know? If, if I were to have Shannon stand up here and um, just, just stand and raise her arms over her head and then just on the count of three just fall back, okay? Now, because Shannon's young and able-bodied and a runner, that might not be her issue. But if I ask Marty or Ruth to do it, who have knee issues, back issues, okay, there's a whole lot of things that would need to happen. They would need to believe in a certain amount of things before taking that risk. It would still be tough. Even if they knew they were going to be literally floating, you know, on this wonderful foam, you know, mattress upon their land, there's still several things they'd have to believe. They'd have to believe that they're going to be okay. They'd have to believe that even in the falling, the jarring, there's just so many factors. When you have limitations in your life, when God asks you to do something, see, we don't think sometimes God's going to say, just take a fall, just do it. We like our ducks in a row. Sometimes God will gift us with, yes, there will be a foam mattress underneath you. I know you've got tough knees. Sometimes he'll give us that. Other times he'll say, you need to fall back. And don't worry. About what the what the effect is. Don't worry about the results of that. Just trust me and know that I am God, and that whatever happens, I got gotcha. you. Now that whatever is going to be defined sometimes very differently than what our minds will define. Sometimes God has a, a tough road for us. Are we willing? Do we have the kind of faith? You know, we're all about receiving. Oh God, bring it on. I want I want your blessings. I want your I want your goodness. And He's like. You don't know what I need to do in your life. You 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 can't even handle what I want to give you. So I gotta get you ready to get the blessings. The further you stretch your faith, the more you will receive, because faith receives. It receives. And we've got to sometimes just be willing to fall back. And when you have a, a yes in your spirit instead of an I can't, but God, I can't. I mean, I just can't. I I you know. I can't fall back. i got knee issues. You know that, Lord. Does he not know us? Psalm 139 tells us he knows our down-sitting and our uprising. He knows our thought far off. He knows everything about us. He understands us through and through. He created us. So if he's asking you to do something, he's well aware. We don't have to remind him of the list of things that are going on. If he wants you to get somewhere, if he calls you to, like he did recently, somebody to go to Mexico... He knows you work. He knows you've got schedules. He knows you've got financial issues. He knows, but if he asks you to go, then guess what? He will work it out. He just wants you to believe it. So what is God asking us? Some of us don't even want to know what God, we want to receive, but we don't really want to know what he wants from us. It doesn't work that way. Man, if you'll open yourself up to what God wants, he wants to bless, he wants to pour his spirit into your life, but he expects our cooperation. Because he knows how to give good gifts to his children. We don't even know how to give ourselves good gifts. And boy, at the end of your journey, don't stand before the Lord and be like, I missed it. I missed the mark. Because I didn't believe you for it. I just didn't believe you. I was too hurt. I, I couldn't give you my hurts, God. Because you know you know what I went through in this case. I, I, I couldn't give this up. Because you know I was scared to death to give this up. I, I was afraid of what I wouldn't have. But God, what would my life look like if this were different? You know, I, I thought I gave you enough by just going to church on Sundays. I didn't think you needed more from me. Then God's like, oh, who lied to you and told you that that was what your walk with me is about? I love that you showed up at church on Sundays. But that's not what our relationship is about. That's, that's a result of our relationship. I want more from you because I want to give you more. He wants to give us so more. Faith receives. Man, you've got to receive him. and You've got to have that faith. David had a repentant heart. He had a thankful, grateful heart. He had a passionate love for the for the law, for the word of God. And he had absolute faith. Man, if there's four things I want, I want those four things. I want to stand before the Lord and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because you know what? We're here for five minutes and then we are with the Lord forever. And whatever... Whatever I'm holding on to, and I've got to tell you, there's still some things I'm holding on to. Whatever that is. I want God to show me that it just pales in comparison to what he wants to give me. It's like you know, holding on to something that is just ashes compared to the beauty that he wants to give us. Have a yes in your spirit today. Have a yes in your heart today. Get rid of the I can't. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Wendy told us this morning in the ladies' class he may be delaying just a little bit to get this very issue, getting us ready. We don't know. I believe that that building is open right around the corner. And today, if any of you want to join me, I'm going to be going over there to pray over the building um, in the parking lot, just by myself. Anybody else wants to trail trail along, I'd love to have you pray with me there. But Yvonne and I are going to go over and just pray. the Lord, just lay that on my heart this morning. Um, but you know... God just, he just wants to, he just wants to have us, all of us. And whatever you're holding back, oh, oh, you will find it's not worth it. It's not worth it to not give it up to him. Let's let's bow our heads, please, in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. ...terrorist penetration of the southern border. There have been about a half a dozen coming in from Canada over the years, but never from the south. Could it happen? Is there a potential? Yes, but I don't think that there is a parallel necessarily. I think that we need strong borders. But the vast majority of the people coming from Mexico and Guatemala yeah, but, and so forth, logo, just you can't let, you a can't let empathy for so much, you know, if, if you talking the whole time, uh-huh. and then at the end, you just done, you hit, the, well, you you can, hit the total yeah. This as if I'm pausing, but I hit